relax. Those beats mean you're now listening to the very real people in places that supply your high. This is Grown Local with Billy Wayne Davis and Mike McGowan. Okay, I can't do it. I'll go first. That's fine. Uh, you yelled, too. You even <laughs> yelled. I got so excited. I got frisky excited. You did. Um, it's okay. This is a good episode we got coming up, so we don't even have to get into like a lot of like me and you bullshit. Mm-mm. I feel like... Who the hell wants like us? Sometimes... Well, I think some people do, but like it's like with Mark Maron's WTF. Mark, I love Mark. But sometimes I fast forward. I don't care what coffee he's can't figure out how to open the bag or <laughs> he stepped on one of his cats. Whatever like, he's like, upset about. It's just like, all right, we get it. Yeah, let's let's talk to some people. You know what I mean? <laughs> what do you where you grow? But let's I do like this is one part I do enjoy is like, what are you growing this week? What do you what process? Where are you at? Well, I mean, with our facility, we're harvesting every 16 days, so I'm literally at all processes, all the time, every time. So, like, you know, it's we're constantly taking cuttings, we're constantly transplanting, we're constantly harvesting and finishing the plants off, so we're always up to something. It's kind of a nice well, What are you little... excited about, bragger? <laughs> Honestly, I'm excited about the finished product. Like, when the finished product's, like, just about to be cut down, it's, like, putting out its last little smells. And right now we have Wedding Crasher that's coming down. And in that same room we have the wonderful Jelly Breath, which I know you're a fan of. That stuff makes you dumb, like, in a good way. But, like, you have to be like, hey, don't do anything important for a minute. (laughs) So, and that's the funny thing. So, in that room, it's Wedding Crashers, Jelly Breath, and we're also doing a run of Strawberries and Cream. And the Strawberries and Cream smells absolutely amazing. Um, But... You can see how much the Jelly Breath is going to be a hitter as opposed to the other strains because we take all we take random samplings of nugs, look at them under the microscope to see if the trichomes are going amber yet or if they're milky or if they're still super clear because that's how you can tell if your cannabis plant is done and the compaction The reason I didn't interrupt there is cuz I already knew that I already knew that, and I understand exactly. So, if you don't understand what he's talking about, like that's how the only real way you can tell is to look under like a jeweler's eyepiece or something like that for like a cheaper version, right? For sure, yeah. I mean, one of our listeners hit me up on Twitter, and I sent him. It's a twenty dollar microscopic camera that you can get hooked up to your uh computer and see you can even cooler i'm glad i interrupted you i didn't know that that's it's super don't cool you tell your fucking co-host instead of people <laughs> on the internet <laughs> but it is cool because you literally get to zoom in but on the jelly breath it has like three times the production of trichomes in like a condensed area than the other two strains so i'm like oh man this that's why the jelly breath hits so fucking hard Oh, it does like 
mate, uh, it's great. Love it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> uh, and I understand. I think it's smart you guys brought it back because it was one where I was like, that. I think about it from time to time. It will, and even when you bring it up, it's like, oh, that's tough. What are you gonna do? <laughs> We're starting to get a deep, uh, deep toolbox going on where we got a lot of fun strains that we can pull out and do a run, get people to miss it, and then bring it back around. And you know, that's, that's... Like McRib that shit. Oh, You're McRibbing that shit. McRibbing the shit out of the world. We should name me and you should create a strain one day, and it's gonna call it the McRib. Oh, and then McDonald's will sue the fucking balls off us. Well, that's it. That's the fun thing about the OLCC too is, uh, you know, with different strains we have to be careful uh, because, like, we have a strain that we grow called the Gatorade, and that's a fantastic uh-huh. strain. Um, but because it's after a trademark, it's a large brand, corporation. It's a large corporation. <laughs> we can't we can't use that. We have to like put like an ampersand sign where a letter would be to get away with you know calling it the Gatorade. <laughs> okay, I got you. Yeah, the world is a fun place, isn't it? So Just fun. Symbols and hey, you can't use those symbols <laughs> that way because because we own that and but I figured a way out. Okay, all right, well. <laughs> Touche. Just use a different amount of squiggly lines on this dead piece of wood to get away with it. Yeah, and then somewhere some lawyer's just coming uncontrollably because that's the (laughs) only thing. He's like, ah, loopholes. I'm a sociopath. Um, We're having fun. But tell the... I love our guest. She's great. She throws it down with so much. I stump her with a question. Yeah, you did. I was pretty excited about that. Uh, I didn't mean to, but I was just uh, I was just interested in that. And And then then we we come to some realizations about it, which was nice too. So just tune in, and Mike, give us a little synapse of who we're hanging with. So I mean, this is uh, you know. I consider her a mirror twin for me. Um, her brother and my cousin have been friends for She's quite some way time. way better looking than Michael. <laughs> I meant on the path that we're on. So uh, okay. <laughs> her brother got her to come out here and help with uh, his medical and then recreational company. My cousin got me to come out here and help him with his grow shop than medical to recreational grow so we've kind of been on the same path together separate or whatever but um she's taken all of it way farther than i would ever do she's on the women leaders of cannabis board and she's one of the bigger people in the state when it comes to uh you know being a business leader and yeah i just think that she's fucking awesome I'm a fan. I'm gonna get. She's like somebody. You're like, I'm gonna get out of her way and let her. I will. I will. As she goes up, I will yell ideas. And I did that on this one. I come up with some pretty good ideas. But she's like the person. You're like, hey, when you're in the room with the idiots that make the rules, maybe this. <laughs> well, that's the I cool. Know my role. <laughs> that's that's the cool thing too. Is you know, it's 
She's a tenacious woman who's just like, hey, I'm going to get all this fucking done. I'm going to be smarter than you and school you with a wonderful, sweet disposition about myself. So That's the best kind of leader. Absolutely. So give it up for Anna Kaplan. Because it's a stupid name. <laughs> it turned into a strip club after uh, after it went. It was a comedy club named Giggles, and then it turned into a strip club named Jiggles. I'm oh, not. That's good. Making that up. That's, that's really a, good. And all they did to change it was they put a pole on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say that. It turned into a strip club, but it was still called Giggles, but then the strippers would just tickle you. they go like, ah, and tickle you. They weren't. I never, I went there one time, and they never, I never saw a stripper. The door guy, we were like, how much? And he went, uh, and we were like, okay, <laughs> dude. You're not a good salesman here. We were just like, I've never seen anybody pause at the door with that question. Whoa. He was like, uh, he was just trying to make it up, and we were like, here, here's $10. He's like, cool. And there was nobody in there, and there was just a pole, and I couldn't stop laughing. Like, <laughs> Success. Told- yeah, we were already pretty hammered at that point, because, yeah, we were, I was like, I just need to see what they've done with the room. And then I walked in, I was like, wow, even less than I thought. <laughs> Guys could have put some streamers up or something. It thought. was it was impressive how little they had done. <laughs> so speaking so. of which, you were a bar manager. I was a bar manager in a previous life. In bar manager, previous life. Yep. What, what kind of bar? Yeah. Well, uh, it was craft beer. My first run at it, and then when I was managing a spot in Philly, it was whiskey. North Jesus. American whiskey, specifically. Jesus Christ. You were managing a whiskey bar in Philadelphia? Yeah. Yeah. That is a level of intoxicated that like only hill people can understand. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Philly has some artisan side to it of, like, you know, posery. But they still, I understand. Yes, so does the hill people, but they still get <laughs> fucking hammered just on like higher class boots yeah i would say it was definitely hammered for a lot of money (laughs) yes that's what i'm talking about yes there's guys drinking a hundred schlitz a day and then there's dudes spending a thousand bucks on three shots i've I've seen it come close to be on all pappy really yeah yeah that's crazy to me I, i think a poor like a poor of pappy maybe like the 26 year it's like 300 bucks god it's ridiculous i told you i'm not making this shit yeah. up you guys yes. i've lived a life i've been around <laughs> he was that guy you were that no guy. i was never that guy no i was the guy sitting next to that guy going like you just you should do it you should do it 
It's like around for the bar. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, hey, yeah, if, yeah. There's a there's a moment in my twenties where if anyone needed to have a good time, they'd give me a call, and I was ready. <laughs> I'm gonna facilitate that. <laughs> so then, what was the whiskey bar like? Uh, it was whiskey, all North American whiskey, so pretty much bourbon and a couple of Canadian, but mostly just Kentucky, Kentucky bourbon at its finest, and then barbecue, barbecue. So it was mm. kind of like my southern roots, but moved to a restaurant in Philadelphia. So. <laughs> Where are you from originally? I'm from North Carolina originally. What part? Greensboro. Okay. Uh, my wife is from Durham. Okay. I went to school at yeah. Chapel Hill, so I know that area pretty well. She did, too, for like one year. Okay. And then she was like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> She's doing good. That's cool. I, lo- I love fellow Carolinians, North Carolinians specifically. Yeah, no, I, you guys would dig each other. I immediately thought that. I was like, oh, that, my wife would like her. Um, so, you, how did you get, did you, how did you get, from North Carolina to Philadelphia. Well, um, I, in my first life, I am an artist. I actually have Did a, you die? <laughs> I have been reborn That's a couple cool times. That's cool if you're totally aware of it. And you're right? like, and then I did another life. Right? Yeah, no, I'm on my third life, is what I would say. But um, my first life was North Carolina. And then my second life was going um, to art school up in Baltimore and then Philadelphia. Philly, what, what? Yeah. And I spent uh, about four years in Philly. But, um, but yeah, I have a master's in oil painting and ceramics. So that is like my, my career as like a young adult and my passion, if you will. And that still lingers somewhere in there. I haven't made art in quite a while, but uh, it's in there. But you got a master's. But so I do have a master's, badass. yes. It's also very expensive. Do you have it, like, framed on your office so that when people walk in, you're, like, master? I really should. No, I think it's sitting under yeah, my bed. Yeah, you should. <laughs> like, yeah. In a box. Yeah, you paid a lot of that. Like, For that people piece show of paper. Off their, yeah, people show off their cars and stuff. You're like, you should, that piece of paper is worth more than your fucking car. Oh, it's worth more than, like, a lot of houses. So, like, <laughs> private art school is not cheap. So, yeah, so that was my uh, my second iteration. Um and yeah, I made art and I managed a restaurant because you know student loans don't uh, don't pay themselves. Not even close. No. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then from from the city and making art, I came out to Oregon, jumped into the weed. What what made that decision for you? Yeah, well, I feel like you left out a lot. Of <laughs> I did, I did. So um, let's see. You know, I'd always had a relationship with weed. It was always something that I enjoyed. Throughout my my young, like how old? I think I smoked weed for the first time when I was thirteen. Yep. And probably my heyday of consumption was in that high school, early college mm-hmm. range. That's why you went to art school. I was pretty creative. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, UNC is not a fucking art school. <laughs> no, no, it's not. I did get my BFA from UNC though, so I definitely was in the art department at UNC. Wow. But, what uh, was that? Was it just like you and some athletes, like coloring? <laughs> <laughs> pictures Be- believe it or not carolina actually has a pretty decent art program yeah you wouldn't no, expect I it that. but they do um their master's program's actually really good um 
But well, Raleigh has like a great art scene too. Yeah, but you're, I know what you're talking about. I'm hip. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, there's a really good scene. Durham especially, and I hate to even give Duke props because you know how we feel about Duke with being a Carol- Carolina girl, but they have one of the best art museums in the state, in my opinion. So that's Whoa. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a bridge. You just it was built a bridge, a bridge right a bridge. there. That was, I'm yeah. very, that was amazing. There's a bigger. It's just as long as you don't talk about basketball, you're fine. Right? Yeah. If you're talking <laughs> about art. Everyone knows their place. <laughs> Everyone knows their place there except for basketball. And then it's like, well, we're going to knife fight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It goes from zero to 60 pretty fast. But, yeah. Where it's like, y'all want to talk about football? And everybody's like, no. No <laughs> one cares about what? No. Is the basketball team going to be at the football game? Right. And well, maybe we'll go, we'll go to the football game. Yeah, football's a drinking sport, and basketball's business. But that makes yeah, sense. it's like you guys go watch a like yeah, just just a light fight for three hours. <laughs> but you guys drink whiskey, and then you're like, is it basketball season yet? <laughs> yeah, pretty, that's pretty accurate. But um, but yeah, how did my how did I? How'd you make it? How'd out I make to... it out here? So yeah, paying off my student loans, living mm-hmm. in Philly, doing the restaurant thing, um, and pretty much, you know, my brother Jared has lived out here. He is a professional musician, so that's kind of where our the arts of the family live. Um, but he'd been living out here, um, touring, making music, and was growing medically for a long time. So Measure ninety one passed in July twenty fourteen, and I was starting to get getting poked like hey there's this thing that just hey. happened you know hey. how to manage things um <laughs> why don't you come out here and we start a business so pretty much it was one of those i think i made the decision to move here quicker than i've made any decision in my life yeah i went home for was a, oh go ahead sorry i'm i i'm just curious i'm always curious like with those quick decisions was it i was drawn to the west coast already because of its attitude on marijuana or things I had heard about it. So when my now ex-wife, uh, we're at the time just dating, was like, do you want to move to Seattle? That really did like have a, a little bit to do with it. It was like, I want to go see what that's like. Did that? Yeah, I think the West Coast definitely called me as far as like I was 27 when I moved here and I'd been on the East Coast my whole life and I'd made it up the eastern seaboard you know as far as philly but hadn't experienced the west coast at all i'd never been to california before i moved out here yeah i was just totally east coast girl and um i think i I came out to visit oregon and went to the oregon country fair yes and that was like my first dip into the west coast i'm like this is it's fairyland like i am sold like just hippies abound and uh I was very much. What the fuck happens there? I'm sorry. <laughs> if you've been listening to the, this season, it's like we none of this is. We haven't planned any of. No. But every Does it come fucking up? body is like. <laughs> Literally, everybody talks about how great Country Fair country is, fair, yeah. and like, like it, it's in a way where it's like, how much do, do they pay you guys? Like, what happens <laughs> there? Well, so what's your experience with the country fair? What was it like the first country fair you went to? Well, my first country fair, I think I definitely got a little bit of like the the 
royal treatment because Jared, oh, yeah. Jared being a musician, was playing. Mm-hmm. And so I got to camp overnight, which is sort of a luxurious thing to get to do for your first time at fair. And very I, sought after. Very like you'll sought see after, people yeah. like begging for overnight passes and like offering to buy them and all of that type of stuff. And she just gets red carpet rolled out. Yeah, first I got off time. the plane and I literally had a cab pick me up and drop me off at the fair entrance. <laughs> and that was like, okay, Oregon, I'm here. And then I like walk in, get my wristband, and uh, just start frolicking around the the path at the eight and watching amazing music and hanging out with my family and it was just magical it and I was as being a kid who definitely was like a bit of a festival hopper I love live mm-hmm. music and being outdoors um it was kind of a mix of being in like like I said like a little fairy wonderland mixed with one of the better music festivals you've been to and it felt like home easily <laughs> yeah yeah what the <laughs> you'll get there one day one day we'll get you to play it but no country- it's just been such i've been sold so hard for like weeks now <laughs> this is the time it would be this weekend yeah so no that's yeah i heard yeah yeah it sucks there's um, a collective mourning across eugene everybody's just all because there's different camping spots like far sides the place where i camp and like so people are just posting pictures of the far side sign being like i should be rolling into this place right now so yeah and i got to i was in entertainment with my brother and so it was getting to hang out with all these cool musicians and yeah. just living that life and that was you know definitely a privileged existence for sure there's so. literally just a section of the woods where all the entertainers camp at and it's just an all-night party of like just people in tents and buses just, just- i know we went over how awesome it is <laughs> he's like all right next subject <laughs> But to me, it's mind-boggling that that's what you did when you first got off of the plane. That was my that first foot in Oregon. That part is sounds made up. Yeah. Where you're like, I got to, I took a cab from the airplane to the country fair. Yeah. And I was like, I'm home. And you're like, what the? F-? No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. But I believe you. Yeah. I believe I don't. And it, ma- it's just, yeah. Maybe if that hadn't been my experience, I wouldn't have been like, yeah, I'll move to Oregon. Yeah, I'll <laughs> but, move out But if Oregon's like that, then sure. So, uh. So yeah, you know, it was the summer of 2014 and I I went home back to North Carolina for one of my nephew's bar mitzvahs and Jared was there and he's like, okay, you're out of grad school. What are you doing? (laughs) And I didn't have really any excuse to not give it a whirl. So yeah, I think maybe two months after that conversation, I packed up my stuff and drove across country and landed in Eugene in December, mind you, which was that's a terrible time. That's how they get you. Yeah. 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 No. So, Wet and gray. I'm like, what have I done? This is not the country fair. <laughs> so that's the same thing with me as my cousin was like, come out, spend the summer. And I came out, spent the summer. It was amazing, trimmed and had fun. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I'm moving out here. So then I moved out in like i think it was like february or something like that january or february and she was like oh so it's just going to rain for the next six months oh okay cool you're in the depths of it now so wanna and so that was pretty much it's like okay so we want to learn how to water plants because there's lights in there (laughs) (laughs) and so that was kind of my first step into cannabis was actually learning how to grow yeah um in a you know small indoor grow and it was, yeah, probably, there's no vitamin D in a grow light, no. but you know, it's definitely my, the first bits of sunshine I got here for a few months, and yeah. Well, 
It is funny because people see me during the winter just kind of walking around in shorts and stuff, and they're like, "What the? what's going on? And I'm like, I'm in a room that fluctuates maybe four degrees, and it's just sunny and high humidity and, you know, 77 degrees, 78 degrees. Yeah, I work so. in the tropics for exactly. eight hours a day. So. <laughs> Are you okay, Mike? Is there you- yeah, I'm you okay. okay. I'm all right. Because you said it like I'm just in the. <laughs> I'm just in the tropics, baby. <laughs> so then so you start. You came out here to he enticed. Well, it sounds like your brother's like a better salesman than he gives himself credit. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. No, I mean like, he sounds like a pretty good manager too because he's like, all right, I'm gonna get her here. I'm gonna. When she gets here, I'm gonna take her to the county country fair, and then I'm gonna be like manage. And then when she gets here, I'm gonna be like, "Nah, you're gonna grow some weed." <laughs> <laughs> well, what I will say, my brother is a visionary for sure. He sees the big picture, and so he starts putting all the pieces together. And so everything did kind of fall into place in a really sort of natural way. Like, all right, I'm here. I'm sold. The culture, the West Coast. Legal weed, all this awesome stuff. Just wait for it. Country fair's coming. <laughs> it's going to be seven months, but it'll be back. Um, but no, we did just the quintessential travel a little bit in the winter, too. So I got to do some cool trips. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was honestly the first vacation I'd had since getting out of school. I went from undergrad to, you know, art school to managing and didn't really like have a break. So the West Coast just felt like a vacation in and of itself. And I think a lot of people will feel that way. Like the, the culture, the just the pace of out here is very different. And so even moving here, even though I didn't have a whole lot to do at the time, and Sugar Top was really just kind of a concept and less of a reality, uh, it, you could feel the energy around it. And we spent the next six months just kind of conceptualizing it, working on the art for it, which was obviously something I was very into and jazzed on. And Yeah. I mean, and that's what I feel like the West Coast is just kind of a vacation. So, like, just as long as you have some sort of a work ethic and, like, a little bit of a drive, you do very well out here. Especially if you're coming from the East Coast or somewhere else. You're just like, oh, I can go to Country Fair. I can go and take trips. But then the rest of the months I'm going to work my ass off and it makes it worth it because everything is so chill. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Where'd you go, Mike? <laughs> just thinking about trips. I am. I'm thinking, thinking about, about country fair. fair. I'm just so no, I could tell both of you. We just stared I'll off into the distance. <laughs> I'll let you both go. I was just like, they both went to somewhere on that property together. I mean, it really is amazing. I'll send you some videos of what it's like out I there. don't want to know. I don't want you until I want. I want to know. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to fly in and take a cab to the front gate. <laughs> that is how everyone should enter fair. And honestly, I don't just want to know anything about it. I want to perform there, though. Yeah, you should. Yeah. But just what's in, what the front gate looks like is undeniably just amazing. Like, it is kind of like. Don't. I already asked you not to tell me about it. <laughs> I literally, that's the last thing i ask you and then you're like yes but here let me tell you about it. here here you go it's just a you guys you, as soon as we get done recording this you guys can 
I will I will push stop and you guys can go <laughs> nuts. Talking about country fair. I know. Yeah, I feel like a nerd with like a spoiler, but it's a it's a cool experience. That's the way my I'm like, don't you spoil this for me. I don't want to know what it is. I, I just want to be it. I, I don't think that anybody could really describe it and no. you really get it. So you're, even you're like safe. the videos, like they do like tourist trap videos of like this is what country fair is about, and it's nothing close to it. It's not even no. No. It's nothing close. I'm so excited. <laughs> Where Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Don't go inside with a bunch of people. Right. Let's do it. We got to get Billy to fair. We got everybody get in fair. this country. So, yeah, I'm gonna get the whole world together for a selfish, very, <laughs> very trivial, petty, selfish reason. It's not trivial no. whatsoever. So, <laughs> so for when, me, I mean, it was kind of for the whole world. But well, to tie fair back into Sugar Top. It was actually perfect. How, we need hail. <laughs> it's how we launched the brand, actually. So we, Jared and my dad and I, because my dad always comes out every Family summer. Family affair. We would we sat down that summer. We decided on the name Sugar Top Buttery. We started designing the logo and came up with the idea of bats, which I'll talk about. But it's what we call our joints. And we just sat around a coffee table and watched a bunch of movies and rolled the first batch of joints we ever made, just the three of us. Yeah. And we brought them to Country Fair and just started giving them to friends. And so that was <laughs> the first Sugar Top branded products to ever exist were just us handing out doobies at the Country Fair. Gorilla marketing. Yeah. And I mean, it's perfect, especially out there. Yeah. And it was, that was Did really you have cool. someone in a gorilla suit? <laughs> No, but it's a, never a bad idea. It's not a bad idea for country. <laughs> nope, it's not. <laughs> so wait, it was your dad too? Because I know this story, but I love that it's... Oh yeah, Jack litter. was in there too. That's awesome. Yeah. My dad, by the way, looks exactly like my brother, just 20 years older and a little bit shorter. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty accurate if we knew at all what your brother looked like. <laughs> uh, but a nice little family affair rolling yeah. joints. That's what I kind of do like, and that's why I feel a weird kinship to you is just because I do feel like our stories are a lot the same. It's just like, oh, family members are just like, come out here and run this thing and make this stuff happen with whatever skills or abilities that you have for it. So yeah. What, what were some of the things that you took from working at a bar that you were able to bring out for a cannabis well, I think the first thing I did, and I remember it really clearly, is I took all of my bar costing spreadsheets, and I was like, I'm going to figure out how much this nutrient reservoir costs. And so I was just like, for every time we would water the garden, I would break down by input what was in there, and I'd be like, today, you this costs $43.27. And I think it was the first time we actually like put, you know, truly a breakdown on... Yeah what each watering costs. And I was really proud. I'm like, oh man, I took something with me from that. So I remember I was managing the grow shop when you came in. You were like, I need a price breakdown of everything. And I was like, okay, well, this is the first time a weed grower's ever asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's surprising, you know, how long people do things like sort of in just, you know, whether it's a home way or just in a like rogue way or whatever you call it and not really think about the the nitty gritty of it or the actual, the actual cost. Of it. So yeah. So that was my first mission was just like figure out the numbers. 
And I don't have a finance background by any means, so I will say the whiskey bar taught me everything I know about <laughs> costing stuff. So that was quite the, you know, the necessary stepping stone in my – because art school doesn't teach you how to cost no, stuff either. No, not even close. No, yeah. god damn, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, not at all. Most business schools don't. Which, it teaches you – it teaches you how to be like a corporate person. Like all those classes I took, all those business classes just teach you how to be like a corporate drone. The where I learned business was at the I worked at a mom and pop UPS store, and okay. I was like, "This is this is like because you had to do the whole fucking thing." Yeah. And you're just like, "Oh, this is how business works," and it is hard. <laughs> it's a lot of spreadsheets. Well, and that's the same thing for me, too, is just small business kind of taught me how to even attempt to figure out those numbers. I still don't care, and I leave it to people like Anna who can do that type <laughs> of stuff. But um, no, it's small business that teaches you how to do that more than any business school, I really think. And that feels great because I got to skip that step, I suppose. <laughs> so that's good in some ways. But yeah, and I've always thought about it. So Billy, thank you for telling me what business school is like because I've always wondered. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So then you're helping with the artwork. You're helping with the marketing. You're helping figuring <laughs> out overhead costs. You know how much it costs to actually run the business. Yeah. So you're basically just a whole jack of all the trades. Doing I, it. Yeah, just bringing little pieces of me where I can and just figuring out sort of what was left. And before, I mean, at that time, there were still no rules. It was just completely free for all. There were no what labels. What do you mean? So in the, the time from 2014, gosh, I got to think about this. So October 1st, 2015 was the first day of limited recreational sales in Oregon. So from the time Measure 91 passed on like July 1st, 2014, a year and a couple months later, it was just a, an idea. Like, we knew it was here, but there wasn't really um, – there were, mind you, medical shops open, branded some branded products around. We weren't really in that realm yet. We still were just growing a little bit for patients here and there. But that's that was the year we, like, got the brand together. And we're just started – But like, you hadn't handed out the joints at No, we Country handed Fair those yet. out that summer. That summer <laughs> yeah. as a – Oh, wait, no, I lied. The, the July, uh -huh. I am sorry, I totally lied. <laughs> it was the July 2015 summer. So it passed in 2014. I moved here December 2014. And then that summer, that July 2015 country fair is when we actually made the first joints. Um, and then we had a couple months of just sort of like figuring out what joint rolling is like. And then October 1st, 2015, it was actually uh, Sweet Tree Farms, Thomas's shop, was the That's first store we shop. ever had product in. Huh? And, I've been there. Yeah, and that was that was the start. And so then that next four months, October, three months, was this kind of limited, like, weird time where there weren't really concrete. The rules were getting figured out. And then once 2016 hit, there were these draft rules. So that whole next year was this sort of, like, the rules are here, but we're still changing them. And there was a lot of that. You see it on all the documentaries. <laughs> Let's throw this thousand batch of labels away and these don't work. And it was just constant two steps forward, five steps back, just figuring, like, stop starting. Uh, the the funnest part of democracy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> We're oh, you, doing this together. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly yeah. and poorly. Oh, you guys yeah. want this? We'll give it to you, but it's going to take us a lot of fuckery to try and figure it yeah, out. Yeah, this is how... Uh, uh, yeah, it's it's late stage democracy. 
where capitalism's taking over and we're trying to do some good, but there's still a lot of bad. <laughs> so, so whoever owns a bunch of stickers, man. That was our game. Stickers, stickers. everywhere. Yeah. Well, not the not the ones we had to throw away. <laughs> but yeah, we we hunt, we hunt, handed out. I, was, I don't know what word I was about to say. We handed out a lot of stickers that year. Well, and that's um, what I remember is just straight out the gate, you guys had one of the most, I would say, succinct marketing strategies at least that's what it seemed like it was but i was just like everywhere i turn i fucking see t-shirts stickers everything yeah and i think you know a lot of brands now that are coming out on the market especially in other states like california they are starting brand first products Mm -hmm. later and we did that a little bit by accident just because of the way that the market worked and the rules played out but uh yeah our whole mission was just sticker everything i mean if you go to the ski lifts in willamette pass i still hear there are stickers on those mm-hmm. poles um most would, of the music venues here in town and stickers all over a lot of people caught on to that game now it's like a sticker war everyone's mm-hmm. sticking their sticker on top of each other's sticker but um but yeah back then we would pay friends to just go to concerts and hand out stickers which some of the venues don't really like <laughs> but yeah it was a lot like you said gorilla a lot of gorilla stickering a lot of gorilla marketing um yeah, and just trying to, like, again, like with my brother being a professional musician, we really focused on the arts and music communities. So a lot of what we did was just sponsoring shows, finding friends who are mm. playing music, and just being involved in some way. I got so. so angry at you guys because they were the first people I saw who would invite artists into the grow rooms to play music around the plants and i was like you motherfuckers how did i not think of that that's such a good idea well you hear you still don't do it (laughs) i don't want to bite their style now why (laughs) that's not biting a style that's that is like saying hey good idea we all know that plants love music and i think every garden plays music to their ladies but yeah we have our our serenaded buds it's a growing youtube channel you'd be amazed how many shows we have that are not posted anywhere (laughs) we're working on that but um but yeah almost every harvest we have has had a different musician play to it in some some form i'm going to start an open mic comedy show in the garden why you're just gonna kill them you're just gonna kill the plants like why are these plants mad why did you make these plants they had to sit through two hours of white dudes talking about masturbation no. i don't want to even uh. oh god what do you think the plants would look like, like... really <laughs> depressed yeah, just... <laughs> why is that plant holding a gun there's a two drink minimum in the grow room so god everything you said was terrible <laughs> So, so you were kind of like, it does sound like your, your brother is some weird visionary where he knew that things were happening and he needed your structure to keep him going. I would say that's pretty darn accurate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think that's our relationship in general. (laughs) He is a very, very unique individual. I think we talked about this last time, but he is now like literally flying high in the sky most days he's taken on paramotoring as his new hobby especially during covid you'll see him in the sky almost every day explain to the listeners what paramotoring is so paramotoring is essentially billy (laughs) (laughs) it's like a swamp boat fan 
on your back, like on a backpack. And then you have a paragliding uh, glider, I guess, that you just run into the air with. And so you're paragliding, but with force, but with a motor. And so it, yeah. it's a very interesting sport. Um, and yeah. Sport's a good, that's an, it. <clears throat> sport's an interesting word for what you just said. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Uh, gravity you know, the is the opponent. <laughs> opponent. <laughs> it's. Uh, I'm one of the first people to f- figure out this contraption. <laughs> That's what he's doing, and he sounds fun. Oh yeah, Jared's he, a hoot. Yeah. And yeah. it sounds like you need to make sure that when he decides to jump off something he shouldn't, that you have the right paperwork. Where <laughs> We've had we've had quite a few conversations making sure everything's uh sorted. Well, he did fall the one time. Yeah, right? he did fall. He did fall. He he will of tell you. Of course he did. <laughs> <laughs> he will tell you why he fell into there. He was not wearing the motor when he fell, mm-hmm. and so it was early on. He call, what does he call that? It's like the intermediate syndrome where you think you know what you're doing, but oh, you actually yeah. don't have a clue what you're doing. That's me through most of life. Right <laughs> right? Now, we so. all think we're kind of intermediate. <laughs> yeah, no, that is fucking every, every <laughs> human being right there. Yeah. And so, yeah, no, he had a bit of a fall. And, I mean, talk about resilience. He is a professional drummer. He's a percussionist. And he plays hand drums. And he... I knew it. Yeah. I knew it. As soon as you said... <laughs> He was doing this flying thing with a swamp boat <laughs> on his back. I was like, oh, he's a drummer. Yeah. Yes, he is. Um, but, uh, yeah, he healed. Like, he's got 80, 90% of his, like, all the function in his arm and shoulder back. And, you know, I was like, dude, for somebody whose, like, body is their instrument in so many ways, he got real lucky. So. I like to think, like, the first time he, like, had it on his back, he was about to take off, and you just kind of run out there like, hey, 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 can you sign this like, real quick? I, I was. I remember the first time that he took off in Oregon. I was, like, laying in a field holding, like, a wind kite, just being like, what am I allowing to happen right now? Like, just like, at least I can see him, you know, I'm here. But, um, no, he's... He brought me to country fair, so I guess I just got to be okay with this. (laughs) No, he is is quite good, and he's got some cool videos if anyone wants to see him. Love the videos. He He sends them to me all the time. He better have some cool videos. Yeah, so he I want to meet him next time I'm there, though. Yeah, he sounds he, awesome. He is great. He is great. Yeah, he is flying high for all of us right now. Well, so the one show that we did with um, uh, White Label was at the Hybrid Lounge, which is his place and your guys' place and stuff like that. Do you want to tell yeah. the audience oh, yeah. about that what was the Hybrid awesome. Lounge Yeah, absolutely. Is? So the Hybrid, it's still there. It's still sitting there. still there. It's kind of sad with COVID and everything, you know, um, but we... Took over this space in the Whitaker, actually in this neighborhood, um, to just start having cannabis events. You know, we we would bring people together. Um, it was a lot of community-based stuff, really mm. good music, really good, obviously, comedy. And really, it was supposed to be a showcase for all the things we love, arts, music, community, all in one spot. And we had quite a few pretty cool things, but um, it was all with the intention that there would be these social consumption laws that would be passing. Uh, the way the Oregon rulemaking works here and the the sessions with the legislature is 2019 was supposed to be the year it all went through and it totally fell apart so our dreams of having like a cannabis cafe did not really work out and so we kind of had to rethink 
how we were going to move forward with the space. Obviously, you can have shows and do cool stuff, but like... That sucks because everything else in our country was going like really good. (laughs) Right? Yeah, 2019 was great. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was just sort of rethinking how to make that space exist. And we've been rethinking it for a little while now. And, you know, with COVID, it's kind of made it inevitable to think a little longer (laughs) because no one can get together for anything right now. Uh, But I do. You shouldn't, not inside. No, you can't out. (laughs) You can't out in the field. Maybe. But I do think that's like one of the cooler things is like you guys are like, oh, maybe this will happen. So we'll start acting like it has happened and go full force at it. We're just going to go real hard until someone says no. (laughs) And that's pretty much what we did. And yeah, I think that uh, now we're trying to look at it in a way that we can have a community gathering spot. Maybe bring some CBD elements into there. We have a big patio so people can hang out and you know, consume CBD to their heart's content outside and chill. So why can't you guys do like a farmer's market? There's like 9,000 in LA and every goddamn community. It seems like I'll find every one of them. I'll turn left on the wrong street every day. And I'm like, Hey, look, a farmer's market. But why can't you guys do that in a building where it's like, and I think I went to one of those a long time ago in Seattle. Like a like a cannabis market or just a farmers market, like no a cannabis market. I'll go to farmers market. I know they do. <laughs> okay, I, I, like... would, I wouldn't just seem like. And then one time in Seattle, I went to a farmers market. Well, you know, I don't... No, that's you know, yeah. I hear you. That's fair. Okay. Um, I say dumb things. No, um, no, it's just the rules. I, I think that like Oregon, and you know, we're talking about this a lot right now. Um, a, the Oregon Cannabis Association is an amazing trade organization here that I have the pleasure of being a part of. And we're talking about like, why has the legislature here in Oregon taken so long to bring into existence for like businesses to succeed here, these rule changes. And because it's just not, despite it being such a multi-million dollar industry in this state, we don't get the attention in the sessions for actual rules to pass the way that other industries do. So I don't know why Oregon still isn't, but we're fighting to have more space and more of a priority here. Um, do you think it's because of the federal thing? Um, I mean, obviously California has a lot more social consumption rules and and lounges and spaces. It just started. And here's the thing. They haven't protect that's It's all because of money. It's just big. I mean, it's just, that's all. It's the way you guys are doing it. It may be slower, but I think it's smarter. And you guys are thinking about so many more different aspects of the whole industry and protecting way more people. Well, that's, I mean, California. That's a really interesting thing to bring up because, like, we all talk about the different legal states and, like, how they've done well and how we haven't done well. And obviously, we, you know, look at California as being like, oh, they did the consumption first before anybody else did. We look at Illinois and we're like, oh, social equity. They fucking killed it. Like, but, see, excuse me, that's first my curse on this thing. Um, <laughs> but, um, but Oregon, at least, you know, obviously there's been some issues with they changed the rules to have it be only residents, and then they switched it to non-residents. So there was a little bit of a back and forth about really is the Oregon cannabis market f- 
by Oregonians and for Oregonians, or is it just letting any big corporate interests come in too? And I think for the most part, just the culture of this state has really helped small business thrive where it wouldn't really exist, despite the fact that the rules allowed anybody to come in. Yeah. You've seen a prioritization of a lot of the small businesses here that probably wouldn't have made it in California ever. Not and even so, close. Yeah. So Oregon has, just by being Oregon, I think really supported itself. And I don't know how much of that is the rules here and just how much of it is the culture here. I think a lot of it's the culture just like sometimes when they make rules here, I just imagine a dude in an overall with like hay sticking out of his <laughs> mouth and he's like, well, maybe. And like scratching his big belly or something like that. And like sometimes it does feel like that, like even with the micro processing licenses and stuff like that you know and the micro grow license like i think it is a little bit more of a mom and pop type of state and just being like well okay you guys go grow your things and do your things and we'll see how it works out but like they're obviously not trying to do it like colorado or california trying to turn it into a tourist destination or anything like that like they're just looking at it as an agricultural based economy yeah and i mean that makes a lot of sense and i think that when, if you talk about it in that way it's like what's the priority of the state yeah, yeah oregon's not really made tourism a priority and obviously if it was we would have different rules yeah. um and you know i do commend oregon a lot for having different committees where they listen to licensees and bring in just business owners to help amend rules and, and move the industry forward in a good way. And I do think the, you know, the regulatory body here, like the OLCC, for the most part is pretty receptive. Like you can call them, you can get information pretty readily. Um, every government agency has its issues and, but for better or worse, I think Oregon has not done the worst job. There's a lot of things that Oregon could do. Washington better. did the worst. Uh. <laughs> but, we'll um, find out. We'll go talk to them. <laughs> but now I think like the bigger things like we're looking at like socially and culturally is like obviously bringing social equity into cannabis. Mm -hmm. How do we actually take stock of what? Ex explain to uh, our listeners and my brain. What, uh, what do you mean by that? Okay, so essentially when you think about cannabis, or I mean I use the word cannabis because it's the appropriate term. Yeah, if you think is. about the recreational marijuana program here in Oregon, <laughs> racism is completely inherent in what can the cannabis prohibition is and what legal cannabis is. Because... The entire, if you, there's a wonderful documentary. I mean, there's a ton of wonderful documentaries right now out. But um, if you look at 13th, as an example, on Netflix, really talks about the industrial prison complex, why the war on drugs happened, why cannabis became a target for uh, Mexicans, people of color, hippies back in the 70s. But the point was is that you're targeting and discriminating purposefully to keep people down. And so yeah. cannabis being illegal is completely rooted in the idea of white supremacy. And so bringing social equity to the cannabis industry is, you know, in so many ways saying that we need to expunge all of the the people that have records currently and the people who are imprisoned yes. and the people who are imprisoned, there's incredible nonprofits like the last prisoner project that are saying, get yes. these people out of jail because we have so many white people profiting off of the backs of these people of color, myself included. And it's terrible, you know, but we're sitting here saying like, me eventually. <laughs> me eventually. <laughs> uh, but how do we as like self acknowledging 
people in this space push forward, use our privilege to push forward an equitable agenda in state programs? How do we and essentially bring equity into this space? And like you see that in Illinois, I mentioned that they have so much space dedicated to people of color and licensees um, that are disenfranchised and, and come from um, just diverse backgrounds. And here, there's no program like that in Oregon. And I don't think there's a program like that in any of the other legal states at this time. And so we're looking now um, at how I have an actually, idea. Yeah. Can I have, I, we just, we legalize it federally and then we let all those prisoners out and then all those cornfields and shit that we've just been making corn syrup and then if they don't grow it, they just set that shit on fire because it's fucking, they get paid more. We actually grow hemp and cannabis there and we save the world. And it's like a, like a new, new deal where we also save our plant, our country while also save it. Like, it's not, I'm a, I'm a comedian that dropped out of college and it's really... It's pretty simple, Really right? not difficult. No. It's not <laughs> difficult. We've done it before. Like, literally, we've done it before. We've done it before. Like, my grandmother lives in a house from when we did it before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, it's it's not hard to see how we can make changes that will benefit. I mean, this is across the board in society, right? How There are so many things, not to get political about it, but so many things that would quickly benefit the greater good that we just continue this to suppress. This is shouldn't be political. No, it's no, not. No, of course not. <laughs> and thank you for saying that. Say it's no. problem like, solving. It's problem solving. <laughs> it's not polit this isn't a politics thing. This is like a human problem. Well, let me so the reason why it's political is because people politicize it in order to make it not happen. Yeah, no, I'm not saying you did it. No, but I'm but I saying, appreciate the call out because it's a different it's, point. No, it's I like, appreciate it's frustrating it. Frustrating where it's like this shouldn't even. This should both sides would be like, yeah, yeah, fix it, fix it. So yeah, we let's keep breathing take care of shit. that. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's. Sorry. No, I get preachy too. I no. dig, I dig. No, I think, and you know, you mentioned like federal legalization and what that will do. I mean, obviously, we look at just how small businesses will fare in that great of an economy and how we'll be able to exist when so many big players and so much more money comes into this space. But also what does that do for people of color and businesses of color and how do they not get pushed out even further because they're already starting from a disenfranchised point because they didn't, don't have the access to capital and just obviously just history weighing down on where we are right now. So, uh, there's a lot of things that need to change. And I, the one thing I'm seeing, a lot of people are like feeling fear or just like unsettled and uncomfortable by what's going on right now. To me, this is the best thing that could possibly happen. Like This I, is by far the easiest way that all of this could happen. I don't think people really appreciate how much different it could get. If we ignore the problems and no. the things that are going and on. So, what problems, you guys? Everything's cool. No, everything's good. <laughs> um, no, I think that the country waking up, people waking up, um, it's a very... I just watched Hamilton last night, so I'm like real jazzed. But no, it's like, this is a really important time to be alive, and we all have a really like big role to play in how we can all use our privilege to make change. Yeah. So. And I mean, but you've 
already been doing that since the beginning at least the, being the president or the leader of women leaders in cannabis and like just even seeing that i was like that's so badass because for better or for worse there's a lot of misogyny in the cannabis industry i've seen it firsthand just even no like, way <laughs> but just even like but trimmers the plants are women <laughs> yeah no but it's guys who grow them and make them have big large colas and produce a bunch no it's it's really interesting like obviously coming into the space and having been here since the beginning of recreational but obviously not having been here since the beginning of the the market here in oregon like yeah, yeah this is definitely a patriarchy dominated system and women leaders in cannabis was started as a way to well it was started uh, it's a little tumultuous but <laughs> the point of women leaders in cannabis as it exists today and as it exists when i came into the organization was to create a space that was inclusive for all women who are interested in the industry, no matter what position you hold. You don't have to be a business owner or a manager. You don't have to be a bud tender. You can just be interested in being involved in the industry hmm. and sort of breaking down the barriers that I think a lot of women feel as not having enough experience. Or there's so much doubt that comes from just living in a world where we're made to feel, you know, as far as we're paid less. And do we have, we don't have the confidence in general because of patriarchy. So um, it's been really empowering to be able to lift other women up to create a safe yeah. space, women's space in general. Um, but yeah, it's just a small piece of creating equity. And I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it and have done what I can so far. But I also recognize there's a long way to go, and especially being inclusive for women of color because we live in a very whitewashed state. Oh, yeah. And so trying to, to bring diversity inclusivity into some of the things that already exist that feel like we're making change is really just the first step in making change. And, but you're doing it. Like you can't, can't, I know there's a lot of steps, but you're actively doing it. Like there's not... how many women are, are growers in the state of Oregon? You know, that's a fantastic, a fantastic question that I don't have the data for, but Hell I, yeah. but I would love <laughs> to get back to you on that. Please do. Um, yeah. We I would love to update our listeners and be like, yo, I asked a fantastic question. <laughs> you did. Remember? And I uh, I now feel compelled to get you that answer. And I hope that somebody has already like figured, figured that, that out. out. Um, there have been some incredible surveys of women in cannabis. Mm. Um, but yeah, as far as women growers specifically, I know of many here yeah. in Eugene. There's a lot of There's them. There's a lot here. of them. Yeah. yeah. Are they with well, My major... first thought, like, about women growers were like to me literally was like oh that's it's such a good cover because like everyone thinks like it's just like this male dominated thing so like if you're not loud about it you could just grow for years and years <laughs> well you know and when i first came to this town a lot of the growers were women a lot of single moms, they were kind of franchised out by, you know, a group of people, you know, the house and garden crew back in the day day. And, uh, you know, they had a lot of, you know, single mothers who just had nice little houses, small little things, nothing you'd bat an eye at. And they were living off of their garage grow and taking care of their family. And, you know, a lot of single mothers who would be on government assistance or something like that, and they were able to live extremely comfortable and take care of their families that way. 
Well, and women are smarter than dudes because dudes want to walk around and be like, look what I'm doing. Look who I am. And women are like, we're not doing legal stuff, you fucking idiot. Yeah, that lack of machismo probably goes a bit of a way. It goes a long way. <laughs> it's probably harder to count women. But like, There's probably so many more women growers than men growers, and they're just like, nice. Nah, nin- they're ninjas. <laughs> yeah, they're ninjas of them. <laughs> The more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, that's what's happening. They're just so much smarter than us. <laughs> Shit. Shit. That's, yeah, I like that perspective. Like, you're going to come back with an answer, and I'm going like, to yeah, but we're going to times answer. that by 20. Right. So. <laughs> yep. Oh, I dig. What's been the most fun about moving into the cannabis industry that you didn't think would be a part of it? I would, whew, that's a good question. See, all these good questions. I try. Um, I got to get one. If Billy gets a good question, then I'm like, ah, shit, I got to get a good question. And I got to throw it down. That's would, good. That's a good, healthy kind of competition. <laughs> I would say for me, the community. Ah. Um, coming from different communities, like the art world, for instance, mm-hmm. the art world was a really competitive and just beat you down place no matter how good or skilled you were in that realm there was just a level of um i don't know what it is gatekeeping bullshit yeah bullshit really that just it was inaccessible um and with the cannabis community here and also i think with just small business in general which is something that i'd never experienced before it's just really paving your own way and having the camaraderie and the community of people doing it alongside you. And I think that I feel that specifically because I've been doing this since the beginning and we've all kind of struggled through this together. Mm -hmm. Obviously there are people coming into the space over the years that have felt that here and there, but I really feel like we built something. I really feel feel like, and a lot of people ask me like why I stayed so long. Cause when I first moved to Oregon, I was like, I'll be here for a year. (laughs) I'm just going to test it out. Uh, you know, two country fairs, I'm gone. But, (laughs) but, um, but no, I have not, I've never felt like I've been a part of something so important. Well, I mean, just even like where we first officially Not even met. that whiskey bar? No, nope, <laughs> not even, not even I do really take pride in my whiskey knowledge. <laughs> However, you know, this, this, whole uh, mother thing. this uh, yeah, I feel like I'm a part of, I'm building something. I'm part of a movement. I'm part of change. Um, and the community here, I mean, when we talk about the plant, I mean, th- it's agriculture, but it's also a culture. Yeah. And so there's culture is a big part of the word agriculture, agriculture right? Yeah. Um, and that's that's unique on a lot of levels. Well, and that's like where I first met you and got to know you was at the Emerald Trade Alliance, which was just uh, at the very beginning of legalization. We had a lobbyist and it was a bunch of people who were hoping to set up recreational businesses or who had medical businesses trying to move to recreational. And it was fun. Just It was in the back room of a bar and we would talk about what we thought the law should be, what we wanted it to be. And it had a very intoxicating part of just feeling like you were a part of the future of an industry and yeah. like what you could do. So I get it. You still are, you guys. <laughs> I would say so, yeah. I mean, things have changed a lot. We're definitely sitting in different places now than we were five years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're seeing a whole nother... It's been of, five years? It's been five years. Holy shit. This October. That's crazy. I know. Whoa. Yeah. 
Makes you that's four th- that age we were pair. that aging fast we were talking about. That's why it wasn't that fast. It was five years. Um, four country fairs. Yeah, four country fairs. Six that's many how moons. You guys, like, how old is that person? She's seventy-one country. <laughs> there are there's yeah. a lot of them. Actually, there's only fifty. Well, this would have been fifty-one, but you know. Um, so where do you see the cannabis market going? Where I see it going and where I hope it goes. Oh, yeah. Um, where I see the cannabis market going now is I see... I want to start with the hope, but maybe I'll go with the C. We see big players coming in. We see big brands establishing, sort of the way I talked about California. You've got a lot of brands that are sort of brand first, product second. Um, and so I think there's a couple different markets that are going to emerge. We're going to have the big brands, the big players that are having quality product, but they're not starting from a craft level. And then you have the opposite where you're starting as a, a grower first and you're starting as a product first, and then you're building that up into a brand. And those are going to hopefully coexist in spaces and in places like Oregon, you're going to see the sort of like the surge of the craft brand really existing and, and holding space no matter what happens with, with the industry. And then we're going to see as things open up federally, we're going to see probably a lot more of those big brands succeed because there's just so much more of a space for people to take over. Um, but what I hope to see with the industry is, like I said, an inclusive, diverse space where the industry can really pay reparations to uh, the war on drugs that's happened, the community, um, and offer the first sort of larger industry that's ever existed that can like truly be inclusive and truly give back. Because the again, we're, we're looking at a plant and we're looking at a plant that's not a food source. Mm-hmm. And so... You can eat it. <laughs> you can you can eat it. But I don't think it's going to keep you alive very long if it's the only thing you've got. I don't know. <laughs> all Not right. I, have that you, Let's all right. give it a try right, before now, you poo-poo. <laughs> okay. So everyone needs to do the cannabis fast. No. No. <laughs> don't shut down our podcast with some bad thing before it even... Oh, I'm sorry. So by, by everyone, I meant you, too. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I've tried it. It works. Yeah. No. I think you could probably go, you know, it's like the Buddhist monk mentality, yeah, right? Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, but yeah. I, f- if all you need is water, weed, and french fries. <laughs> Come close to surviving yeah. on that. I'm still here, motherfucker. Right? But, um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of hope for what this country can become. Obviously, we're- time i say that too but i'm never wrong i know every i'm like hey that is a it was a dope interview like did you i learned i learned several things we got you farther into your want of country fair being about that reality yeah i feel like there's a conspiracy at this point (laughs) but i just i'm okay with it because if it's like that many people involved and you guys are that adamant about it it's like let's do it but I also want to go to Bohemian Grove. So I'm going to put that out there. If anybody can get me in Bohemian Grove, I will bring the weed to that party. 
Uh, holler at your boy. I want to go to that. Yeah, no, that's I, like I wouldn't bring you. Come on, I just said <laughs> I will bring the weed. <laughs> oh, man. I'll bring some fun friends, too. It'll be a party. I won't I'm tell. It'll just be fun. I might tell later, but, but like way later. But unless it, it, unless it's like real bad. And you know what? No. If it's real bad, then I'll be like, I'm going to bounce. I'm, I'm done. Just, right. But we bring you the fun. I just want to know. We bring we the will, fun. Like, yeah. Before you guys talk about like Manhattan Project type shit, we'll bounce. How about that? <laughs> I want to see the... I want to see the Moloch thing. I do think that's fun. Um, I like a good show, and there's like a lot of money involved, so I know you guys throw it down. Uh, so I don't know how. I think Country Fair, and then I jumped to Bohemian Grove. And I think more people should listen to the outro more because this is where the fun's really going to happen. And then in the Patreon. Oh, it's coming. The Patreon. Oh, coming. Guys, that reminds us. Send us uh, things you would like to see or you would pay for in a Patreon. Uh, we can't guarantee it'll be there, but some of the better ideas, maybe. And then, like, maybe you have a shitty idea, that, but the, the base of it is good, and we take that and make it good. Um, We're really excited. So send us, yeah, no, and we just like hearing from you. and and But just grown local pod at gmail it's grown local pod at gmail uh at instagram it's grown local pod we have a twitter it's still suspended i don't know i've sent several emails uh i don't i'm gonna try a couple things tomorrow uh we'll see about that you know and what to- you, 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 you know what twitter's not suspended carmichael a lot it's k-a-r-m-i-c-h a E L and then a lot like A L O T. I believe that's the one because on one of the internet handles I messed it up and it just said Carmichael Lot, almost like I was selling a car a lot or something like that. But man, why'd you let me go that long with that one? <laughs> that's not nice, man. <laughs> no, man, you wanted to do it. You've been trying to do it. Shit! Can you tell I'm a good dad? I'm a pretty good dad. Most of the time. Most of the time, I'm a pretty good dad. Because like, you do try things, you're like, this is not getting through. This is not working. And then one day, you're like, I'm going to let him do it. I'm just going to let him do it. Not that you're a child, but... Oh, it's close. I'm me too. That's why, like, I think that's why I'm a good dad. Is because mentally, I'm like, I know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> Oh, it is man. funny. That is funny. But no, we want to. If anyone can get us in the Bohemian Grove, for sure, holler at your boy. And then uh, just send us ideas for the Patreon. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, our website's a work in progress. You guys, if it's all coming together, you guys. We're hitting the road. Uh, we're hitting the road. We are. We're yeah, going. next week. Next week, we're going to do season two. Hopefully, there's still days left that the world could shift in a way where we have to stay at home again. But we're going about it very, very smart, huh, and we'll I, be in Humboldt. Nothing will stop us. I dare God to no, throw. What are you doing? Sorry. What do you just stop, Lieutenant Dan? Stop. <laughs> so, uh, but that does remind us also. 
I have t-shirts for sale online. Also, give us ideas for the Patreon. Also, I'm thinking about starting an OnlyFans. Don't just. We're trying to actually make money here. This is the the only part that makes us money, mm. and you can't, can't, you can't. The rest of the stuff that's your all business. Right. You're not doing anything funny. You haven't been trying to be funny for the whole podcast. But if you listen back, you've not been funny one single time. The whole no, I'm just. <laughs> uh, <laughs> People are like, man, this man, is like it's crumbling. Like after the credits, where there's like a whole nother movie. <laughs> um, but hit us up at uh, with all the stuff. We're going to Humboldt in a little bit, so you've got like ten. When this comes out, you'll have like a less than a week from the time this one comes out when we're going to Humboldt. So hit us up. If you know anybody that wants to talk, we're talking old school, just any part of that Humboldt cannabis community, we would love to. We will go to you mostly. I mean, there's some parts that we will try to go to you. Uh, <laughs> and we want to do it outside because COVID is better for It's just, we'll figure it out. Hit us up, Grown Local Pod, or at Billy Wayne Davis, DM me. Or if you just go to the information, you can find, we'll be able to click uh everybody's information there thank you guys for listening love you guys <laughs>